I'm Calista. And I'm Allison, and welcome back to I Don't Want to Talk About Politics, a podcast where we discuss the issues you don't want to talk about around the Thanksgiving dinner table. Nothing happened in either of our lives this week, truly. Truly. Dog sat, and I, my boyfriend turned 22, and my grandma has the same birthday as him, and I can't remember how old she turned. <laughs> that is pretty much it. Yep. Um, the only thing I have written down is that I'm trying to read, um, like a certain amount of books by the end of the summer, but I haven't decided how many books I want to read, but I have, uh, for, for Christmas, my brother gave me this, like, this little, like, notebook that has, like, my daily, like, a reading goal thing, and it was, like, I was supposed to read a book of, like, all these different genres, and so now I have to, like, I'm, like, trying to finish all those genres out by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, hard because some of these genres I, like, just don't want to read. Oh. I've only recently started getting into reading memoirs because I listened to a memoir, a celebrity memoir podcast. But, mm-hmm. um, like, it's it's difficult because there's just, like, some genres of books I don't want to read. Like, I don't like mysteries. Like, I don't read, like, straight-up mysteries. One of them is a mystery, and I'm trying to find a book that I have that, like, can be a mystery, but mm-hmm. it's like close to do you have any interesting fun stories from this week? No. Because I don't think you want to hear about the spider again. That um, I'm going to have nightmares about that. I am too. Um then it triggered a memory from when I was little, and then I like was like, I think that was the worst part. It wasn't killing the spider it was like the memory it triggered and yeah um did we want to talk about kind of like the changes that we're kind of making to both the podcast and the instagram sure so we are currently in the process of growing which is great it's fantastic we're real super happy about that Mm, our youtube is picking up so to all of our youtube listeners thank you so much we're getting um, we're growing on there, and then we're growing on all of our, like, regular streaming services, listening, listening. We're growing on all of our streaming services. The only place we're not growing is the Instagram. Yes. Which is great. <laughs> it has been oh, something that has been bugging both wonderful. of us for the past, what, like, two weeks? <laughs> yeah. Every time we sit down to record, we're both like, the Instagram is not growing. Exactly. The podcast, our listens are going up. Like, we're growing everywhere except for Instagram. So, we're making some changes. It will uh, kind of affect the podcast like a teeny tiny bit, but mostly on the Instagram. So, um, we're going to be uploading a lot more reels on there. And so, we do the news stories every week, and you usually do about four. But what we're going to try to do is kind of do more of like two big news stories. So, whatever is like, kind of the most important of that week and then anything kind of smaller or something that anything kind of smaller or something kind of in the media we're going to do that more of reels on instagram Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. makes it a little bit easier then we can spend more time and during the podcast and extend more of our main topic of the episode and focus more on that and then do and then stuff like like 
bills that are currently being processed in a federal district court, any mm-hmm. of stuff like that can stay kind of more on Instagram. So that way we can kind of be not, it doesn't feel as in we're three days behind on everything. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And maybe it will help us um, keep up with stories that change every 2.2 seconds. Mm-hmm. We haven't had as many issues as when we first started and we would be mm-hmm. reporting on these stories and literally the minute we cha- hit in, it changed. Let's get into the top news stories of this week. Let's do it. These news stories are kind of silly. This first one is especially silly. Mm-hmm. Because like I said, nothing happened this week. And I know something probably happens. But nothing happened when I Googled it like three days ago. And then I Googled today. And then I Googled I Googled the day before that. And nothing happens. Or there's nothing we want to talk about. Because mm-hmm. everything's... Like whenever we look anything up, there's not a lot of big things that happen. It's like little things, this random city in this random state. And it's like, well, I don't care about Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah. And everyone's just talking about the weather. Yes. <laughs> if I get one more news article being like, it's the hottest that it's been since 1899. <laughs> Literally. Literally. I- Literally, I just Googled news, and three out of the four news things are U.S. heat wave, a third of Americans under extreme heat advisories. Yeah. But that makes sense, because a third of the Americans live in the hottest states. Exactly. Why is BBC writing, writing on this? BBC, go away. No one cares. They said... We gotta get our get our viewers up somehow, get our readers engaged. Let's talk about the weather. Oh, okay. This story's quite interesting. So, a TikTok plastic surgeon who live streamed for seat well, sorry, what? Um, instead of talking about the weather, I actually want to talk about something that's quite interesting. A TikTok plastic surgeon who live streamed procedures um, just lost their license. So this is an article from the Washington Post, which, like, let me go off by saying, Washington Post, uh, you are my friend today because you did quite a good job on this article. Really roasted her for everything that she was worth. And, you know, um, you let me read your article without making me pay for it. So I appreciate that. So... The plastic surgeon known as Tick on TikTok as Dr. Roxy has been banned from practicing medicine in Ohio after authorities determined that she injured patients while live streaming the procedures to hundreds of thousands of viewers. The State Medical Board of Ohio on Wednesday permanently revoked the medical license of Catherine Roxanne Roth and fined her $4,500 based on her failure to meet standard of care. Board spokesperson Jerrica Stewart told them the Washington Post. It seems odd that she went by like her like a shortened version of her middle name. Cause you're like, yeah. she's clearly like tr- she knew she was doing something wrong, and if she used her actual name, she would get legal 
have legal issues. It's, very, it's a very stage name. Mm-hmm. Trust me, this gets worse. So the board found that while Bra was performing surgeries, she live streamed parts of her patient's procedures on TikTok, spoken to the camera, and answered viewer questions from some of from some of her more than eight hundred and twenty-five thousand followers. Sorry, eight hundred and twenty-five hundred thousand followers. That's a lot. It's ins- What's insane to me is that I didn't realize she was doing this during the procedures. Mm-hmm. Um, at least three patients reported having severe complications, infections. Uh, so infections, a perforated intestine, and loss of brain function. And they need medical care after Gra operated the, on them at Roxy, Roxy Plastic Surgery for practice in Powell, Ohio, according to the board. Gra, 44, I don't know why they listed her age there, but okay told the Post on Thursday that she was obviously devastated over her parent, her patients complicated and the board's decision to permanently revoke her medical license. But she maintained that live streaming the surgeries to anywhere between 100,000 and 500,000 TikTok users per video did not affect the procedures. Graw, who's facing lawsuits from the three patients who needed care after she performed surgery on them, also accused the medical board of bullying her during her suspension in the week's hearing. And so this is a quote from her. She says, nobody wants a complication, and we never want things to go poorly, but any complications that happened with me were not because I was not paying attention. My whole life and goal is to give these people confidence and make them more beautiful. And unfortunately, they suffered the complications, and I feel sad for them. I would never want anything bad to happen to them. And then she says, um, so Grob built up a considerable social media following on TikTok, Snapchat, and Instagram. After years of live streaming her patient surgeries on Snapchat, she said to the TikTok in hope of breaking down the scary wall between doctors and patients. She said patients signed consent forms allowing Dr. Roxy to live stream the procedures to help demystify the secrecy around surgeries. Um, she says the stuff we do... Um, the stuff we do, there's a little bit educational and answering people's questions, and it's a little fun and silly. And I know people look at that and think it's unprofessional. I say I understand, like wanting to like break down the barrier between like patients and like doctors, and not have doctors be so scary. Like um, personally, I love um, Doctor Mike. I think he does a great job of that. Uh huh. But her. If if I if I was getting like a serious surgery, because like breast augmentation, tummy tuck, like those are serious surgeries. Mm-hmm. And she referred to it as a little fun and silly. Exactly. I don't know how to feel about that. Yeah. And then were these consent forms mixed in with about 20 other papers you had to sign? Like mm-hmm. was it like one of the last pages where by that point you're like, I am so over reading this? Yeah. Also, like, I am all for, like, a little, like, whimsical little person. Like, I love people who just, like, spend their lives, like, floating everywhere with, like, little fairy wings and, like, uh-huh. think that, like, life is made by touching grass. Exactly. But not so much, but, like, the idea of being, like, oh, it's, like, so fun and whimsical while I cut you open. Exactly. Um, 
here's the kicker for me. So the Ohio Medical Board had warned Gra about live streaming her surgeries in the letter sent in 2018, cautioning the doctor over the need to maintain patient privacy when sharing photos or videos via social media. After the board sent another letter in 2021, Gra notified the state that she had completed remedial education courses about plastic surgery and professionalism ethics, including a course on ethical social media. But she continued live streaming the procedures through at least October last year, according to the board. So she was suspended in November, and the three cases cited by the board in this decision were live streamed between December 2020 and March 2022, which I think that basically means that she was operating these while she had suspended license. But it doesn't confirm. So they go in detail through each of one, each of these surgeries. So for the first one, after Gra performed a liposuction in a Brazilian butt lift on a patient who was under anesthesia, anesthesia, anesthesia. I can't say that word. Anesthesia. Anesthesia. Yeah, I think so. December twenty. The patient said she suffered severe abdominal pain and cramping that forced her to have several surgeries on her stomach. About a year later, a patient who had a breast augmentation was admitted to the hospital days later for what turned out to be an infection that required her breast implants to be removed. Another patient had come in for follow-up cosmetic procedures, including liposuction. liposuction. In March 2022, was hospitalized days later for a perforated intestine. That patient suffered bacterial infections in her abdomen, as well as a loss of brain function from the amount of toxins that were found in her blood, according to the board. That is so sad. Uh, um, These all seem like very much, like, these plastic surgeries that she's performing are like, if they're, if she's live live streaming them, that is very much a breach of privacy. You're like just out there exposed for everyone, basically. Dr. Gra's social media was more important to her than the lives of the patients she treated, a state law lawyer arguing for Gra's license to be revoked said. Gra made major surgeries with potentially life-altering complications seem like one big party in the Columbus District reported. Exactly. Since her business closed in November, Gras said she has had to let go of 20 employees and found herself scrambling for any kind of work now that she can no longer practice in Ohio. Um, these potential employers see my resume and it says doctor and they're like, what are you going to do? She told the post. I mean, what I did on TikTok to make people smile and make them feel good, it doesn't mean I'm not paying attention to my patients. Just like it very much felt like her import or her main goal was her TikTok following, not not her patients. Like yeah. as a doctor, you're supposed to care for your patients, make your patients happy and healthy before you make the internet happy. Exactly. This is like if you if you're a doctor and like Dr. Mike or what other people like that where you're making these videos but you're not live streaming operations like you're being like okay this is this mm-hmm. uh, 
disease and this is what causes it. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> they record surgeries all the time. Yeah. But they don't live stream them. No. And, like, and also, like, other doctors watching doctors perform a surgery isn't live streaming. Exactly. But when, like, but when you have someone who is in, like, such a vulnerable point, they're open, they're risking, and there's so many risks that are associated with any surgery. Yeah. When they're and out there. And, are like, mm -hmm. When she's like, yeah, and I would answer questions during the live streams to my all my viewers. It's like, those are things, if people have questions about this, you do that not while you're performing surgery. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah. Anyway, I took a couple notes on this that I want to talk about. So she has something there. She's like a package thing. She calls mommy makeovers, which are breast augmentations, tummy tucks, liposuction, and a couple of other things. I'm not anti-plastic surgery. I think that if people want plastic surgery and it makes them feel confident and they're doing it in a, like a healthy way, mm -hmm. uh, like something they're doing for themselves and not something they're doing like prove something, then I think that's great. But I just like don't. I, that the 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 thing mommy makeover is like stuff like that. That's like a, such a like that's such a like a misogynistic thing for someone to say. Yeah. Like that's just an awful way to describe that. Yeah. Um, and then I she the way that she conducts her business was like the priority being the TikTok and then her patients. It totally reminds me of our family vloggers episode. Where we talked exactly. about how parents view their kids as income first and then their kids. She's mm -hmm. viewing she's these patients as views first and then the patient. Exactly. And as a doctor, you should your main priority should be your patient and your patient only. And mm -hmm. not the five patients out in the waiting room. Your current exactly. patient is the one you're concerned about at that moment. Mm -hmm. Unless you're at an emergency room and you have somebody bleeding out in the waiting room. That might be a little different. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my final my final question on this was like, do we agree that her license should be suspended? Well, yes, because she's putting the views before the patient. Like mm -hmm. she does not have her priorities straight. Yeah, and I hope that this sets a precedent for any um any doctor out there that is live streaming or trying to make profit off of the surgeries they perform. Mm -hmm. I'm all for you spreading information and spreading like spreading useful information and kind of starting to break down those like unnecessary barriers between patients and doctors. But they're also like healthcare professionals, and there also has to be some sort of barrier. And this is it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Doesn't that wouldn't that violate like the HIPAA law? HIPAA laws? I don't think I said um, that right. I think it should. I I I feel like it does. Yeah, because is, like be putting fine. out like too much detail about like the patient or whatever violates that. Because like remember we the abortion doctor from a couple months ago. Mm -hmm. Like how they said that she violated HIPAA. It was uh, a couple of 
episodes episodes ago and when she said she violated hipaa and we we're both like i don't feel like technically she violated hipaa but it was still a bad thing for her to do mm-hmm. and it was like we talked about like how difficult of a place it is it like puts you in because you don't agree with what the doctor did but her talking about it wasn't violating hipaa this is a hundred percent violating hipaa exactly like i I really hope that Dr. Mike ends up responding about this because mm-hmm. I know he talked about those nurses from a couple from those nurses um from like early this year. Do you remember hearing about them? That they're nurses and they were like listing their icks about their patients. Mm-hmm. And he talked about them and was like basically like found on like all these different health like kind of influencer healthcare professionals came out about mm-hmm. them. I hope that we get some more opinions on what these other influencers are saying on her getting her license for school spy them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I'll do a follow-up next week around the Instagram. Okay. Okay. Are we ready for the next news story? We are. Okay. Might be the most confusing news story. I mean, we've mm-hmm. had a few of those. But this one, I am so confused. So the GOP adopted abortion and transgender surgery. I'm missing half my sentence and I don't know what I was thinking. So the GOP adopted abortion and transgender surgery amendments. And just a little side note, I I don't know. But I always find it really weird when they link transgender surgeries and abortion together in the same thing. What are we amending? Uh, if I knew, I would tell you. I'm so confused. What Are we amending our party platform? I, I don't know. Because we're not amending the Constitution. Yeah. Um... Mm-hmm. So that this happened while they were um, working to pass the annual defense policy bill on Friday. Uh, it barely passed, but they put in provisions to bar Pentagon spending on abortion and transgender surgeries, which, why is the Pentagon? <laughs> Funding abortion and transgender surgeries? I don't know. Hold up. We're amending transgender and abortion surgeries from a bill related to our defense spending? Huh? I'm so confused. I am, yeah. So, barely passed on Friday. Um, Republicans added parts to bar the pentagon from spending and then the legislation passed for 219 votes to 210 uh it still will have to be reconciled with the senate i this was a very interesting four republicans voted against it and four democrats voted for it for one, that's a narrow vote by only nine. That's pretty. That's pretty narrow. Two, 
That's odd. Who wrote it against it? Uh, it was, where is it? Ken Buck of Colorado, Andy mm. Biggs, and, oh, mm -hmm, and Eli Crane of Arizona, mm. and Thomas Macy of Kentucky. And then the four Democrats who voted with the Republicans was Donald Davis of North Carolina, Jared Golden of Maine, Marie Glusson Camp Perez of Washington, have no clue who that is, and Gabe Vesquez of New Mexico, and I'm pretty sure I just butchered his last name. The legislation authorizes eight hundred and eighty six billion for national defense for the Pentagon and another thirty two billion for nuclear weapons and somehow abortion is and transgender surgeries are in, not included in that now, but why they were included is in nuclear weapons? Yep. Nuclear weapons. I'm so confused. I read multiple different articles and I am more confused than when I started. It feels very much like when the Democrats would slide in abortion funding and random bills. Maybe that's what it's preventing. Yeah. Except I'm like confused why it was in the uh, the defense policy bill. So was this passed just in the House and it's going to the Senate? Or was this yes. passed in Congress in general? This was just passed in the House. It's going to the Senate. Mm -hmm. But I, yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Just seems odd to just place it in this bill. Unless there's that many, the Pentagon is funding that many abortions and But I'm like, that doesn't make sense either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. It's very confusing. That's all I know. And also, $886 billion is a lot of money. That is a lot of money. I don't know where that else where else that could be going to, but do we need that much money? Who is attacking us currently? Ourselves. Like, do we need that Devil. much money for defense? Oh, I mean, I guess we might. I guess World War Three is probably coming soon. Never mind. You know what? That you know, that's fair. That is fair. Um, we're remember when everyone was like a couple months ago, or when like Russia first started the war with Ukraine, and everyone's like, we might be in World War Three tomorrow. Like, <laughs> oh, you know why I was worried about that? Because right around that time is when um the government um. Specifically, uh, the U.S. Marines that reside in Oregon decided uh -huh. that really, really wanted me. <laughs> and I was like, I know the draft no longer exists, but I will be drafted. Like, they will find uh, it. Yeah. Oh, my biggest thing was, I was like, I'm not home. Like, I know it won't, it wouldn't happen in the United States, but it would be like, it felt weird that I wouldn't be with my family. Mm-hmm. Also, technically, there was articles and they they came out with statements being like, yeah, and anyone from 
this age and this age, if we were ever to do a draft again, would be drafted. And it's like, yeah, I'm 20 healthy and. I would love if we could start lobbying to get some some legislation written up that women cannot be drafted. I would also. I say we we start a new club at GCU. <laughs> okay. The Women Against Women's Suffrage Movement. Okay. We still get to vote. We no longer are allowed to be drafted. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, perfect. But yeah, so that's that bill. Have or whatever piece of legislation. More confusing than any other piece recently. Okie dokity. I'm trying to. Did you say IKEA Adokity? I said Okity Adokity. Because <laughs> they came out wrong. I was supposed to say Okie. Okie dokie. Oh, I thought you were doing. Okay. So there's an. Uh, Dimitri Martin, who mm-hmm. is a comedian, has a mm-hmm. joke about how. Um, like when people are like. <laughs> upset the like use like the longer forms of words uh-huh and so okie okay is actually the short form of okie dokie uh-huh. so it's like someone's like her it'd be like are you okie dokie yeah i'm okie dokie <laughs> and i just i think about that all the time <laughs> okay okay so, if you haven't been paying attention to our Instagrams, mm-hmm. and if you haven't paid, been paying attention to our Instagrams, then what are you even doing here? Exactly. Go give us a follow. Um, but if you haven't been paying attention to our Instagrams or the Instagram, um, the Sound of Freedom, mm-hmm. which is an Angel Studios movie, which Angel Studios also did Passion of the Christ, the movie was directed by Alejandro Gomez Monteverde. It came out July 4th of 2023. So far, it's made like 57 million. Something 50, like 57 million. And yeah, um, we'll kind of get into. Um, so we're going to do a loose plot some like a plot summary of the movie we're going to talk about kind of our thoughts on about our thoughts about it some standout moments because we both saw the movie because it's not like five times it's only three but <laughs> close enough we'll do a quick thing on the media's absolutely insane reaction to this movie and then we'll finish up with some information about like um human trafficking statistics um the organization that the protagonist created mm-hmm. and where and then kind of like a call to action of like some activism stuff that you can do. So why don't we start off with our plot summary of the movie, Callista? Okay. So the movie opens in Honduras where we meet a father and his two children, Miguel and Rosia. Yes. You you tried to set me up for failure there. No, I just never heard someone pronounce Honduras with that many syllables. 
Honduras. You said Honduras? I did not. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're approached by a child modeling company. However, after dropping off his kids, it's revealed that the company was a cover to sell children into sexual slavery. Um, after a haunting title card littered with footage of kidnappers were taken to Colexio, Mexico, California. When I read that, I also autocorrected in my head to be Mexico. Colexio, <laughs> California. We're introduced to Tim Ballard, the protagonist of the film, and at, this, and at the time, a special agent for the Homeland Security Investigations. We see him and his team as the man who's distributing child pornography. Upon further investigation into this man, Tim is able to arrest another man who purchases the children featured and sneaks them across the American border. Tim is also able to save a young boy who we learn is Miguel from the intro sequence. Tim befriends Miguel, learning about his sister and the other children that were kidnapped. He ends up reuniting Tim with his... (laughs) No? He ends up... (laughs) Not right. I've watched the movie three times. I know that is not the case. (laughs) Took a different turn. Miguel is the become of the hero. Reunites him with his father. Yeah. Hero Kate Crusader. <laughs> Tim ends up reuniting Miguel with his father and begins his search for the sister. Tim's search takes him to Cartagena, Colombia, where he partners up with former cartel member Vampiro. Vampiro suggests his wealth suggests no he doesn't vampiro uses his wealth to buy children out of sexual slavery and free them the two of them recruit colombian cop Jorge and millionaire paul to set up a sting operation to catch the ring of traffickers that took miguel and Rocio. during the operation they're able to capture all the members of the ring and free 54 children unfortunately Rocio. Rosia is not one of them. However, when interrogating one of the traffickers, Jorge learns that she was sold to the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia. He informs Tim and Vampiro, but tells them that there's nothing more they can do because it's rebel territory. Vampiro comes up with a plan to pose as doctors so they'd be allowed into the region. Upon entering enemy territory, Tim and Vampiro are intercepted by the rebels and learn that only one of them is allowed to go forward. Tim enters alone where he finds Rocio, who's being used as a personal sex slave for the leader of the village. That night, he is forced to kill the leader in order to help her escape. The two of them narrowly make it to freedom. The movie concludes with Rosia being reunited with her brother and father, and the family going back to Honduras. Honduras. That one I said wrong. I said Honduras. We also pronounce Rosio about six different ways, too. Okay, so the first time I watched the movie, I thought it was Lucida, Lucia or something no. like that. Lucille. 
Something along those lines. Not Rissia. I don't know why. The whole time, and I was so confused, because I was like, like, by the last time I heard it, Rocio, and I was like, I thought it was Lucille this whole time. Did he say if they're still in contact? Like, does he still talk to them at all? Uh, yes. I have one of the interviews. He's still in contact with the children they saved. Mm-hmm. And he said eventually that they're playing telling their stories like the ones that are willing to talk obviously yeah they're not gonna force them to talk okay let's start out with um our general thoughts i would say uh so i saw it three times and the second and third time were harder than the first time because, like, the first time you're, like, figuring out the plot and everything. And it's, like, hard and, like, sad. But, like, once you have the plot and everything figured out and then you realize, you, like, see all the extra details and all, like, the work they put into it and then the reality of everything, it is so hard. Mm-hmm. It's going to be controversial. And maybe I'm just feeling really cynical right now. Did you find him likable in the movie? Yeah. Okay. I'm just wondering. <laughs> did you not? Not really. Like I appreciate what he did. I just don't find his personality like. Mm. I think the thing that I didn't like about the movie is like when he kept not finding her. I feel like what he was doing was kind of discounting the work that he was doing for the other kids. Yeah. But and I also, also I have an issue with a lot of different things, and that is I feel like is a me issue with a lot of like different documentaries I've watched. Yeah. And I think, like, the biggest thing, he, like, he did save this little boy, but then he thought about this little boy growing up without his sister, mm-hmm. and then he thought about this father going home to an empty bed, like, and then he's like, as a father, he's like, well, if if my daughter was missing, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. If yeah. I, like, knew, even if it was years later, I would be like, my my daughter has returned like mm-hmm. like i understand and i'm sure some of it could have been the way they portrayed it in the movie I i'm sure he good. yeah i'm sure he like didn't mm-hmm. just forget about the other kids like obviously mm-hmm. he still is in contact with them uh, i was listening to an interview and they they've paid for scholarships for them yeah. they've helped them get jobs like one of them just called and was like I got a job like for the, my dream company like uh, and like so I don't think he just just, just mm-hmm. was like well I gotta find this one girl because then they found others and they were glad they found the other ones in the mm-hmm. island, rat, island yeah. raid yeah I think that's what it was that was it was like that was like the kind of the one scene I was like like, I was like, okay. But I also just think that's, like, human flaw. And I was just yeah, like... Yeah, and I think part of it's, like, there's only so much time you have in a movie. Because mm-hmm. people aren't going to watch a six-hour-long movie. We'll, we'll, watch, we'll watch a ten-season show that has, you know, 
people watch a bunch of episodes. Okay, how many people watch like the Ten Commandments every year? That movie's so long. <laughs> that movie is so long. I've watched it like twice. I've never watched it. I've never been allowed to watch it because we had to wake up early for Easter and it comes on at like 8 p.m. Well, you got it from the library once. They come out at like 8 p.m., which means it wouldn't be over to like 1 in the morning. Yeah. Mm. But I like. It also was playing once, like randomly. In the middle. Most random time in the middle of the year. It was like 2 p.m. on like a Tuesday. It's so odd. Like a Tuesday, like October. <laughs> yeah, like it was really weird. <laughs> Very odd. But yeah. So like you only have so much time in a movie. Yeah. So the back some of the background details are clearly missing. Mm-hmm. And but yeah. I don't know. I think here's my issue is I think what I was going in wanting was a documentary and what I got uh-huh. was a like a narrative like an like not necessarily an action but like kind of like a thriller film based mm-hmm. on a real story and that's like what I asked from it and I think that the entire message of it is so good and I think it is an incredible movie but I think what I wanted out of it was more of the documentary side of it. I definitely went in thinking it was more documentary. Like, mm-hmm. I knew, obviously, I'd seen, like, the trailer and stuff. And I knew that there was some more, like, thriller aspect. But I thought there was going to be a lot more, mm-hmm. like, documentary style. But then it was just mm-hmm. thriller. But it was really good. And the storyline yeah. was well put I out. It sound like I don't like the movie. I do like the movie, and I like everything that it stands for. But, <laughs> but when I came, what I came in was, I came in thinking that it was going to be like a documentary, and that's what I was kind of hoping for it from it. Yeah, and what I got was something different, and it was different than what I expected. And mm-hmm. I don't know how much I, I don't know if it was a documentary. I don't know how I would have reacted the other way. Exactly. And I think, like, in order to make it engaging and make it have results, I think they did made the right decision in making it more of a thriller and including those, like, aspects of actual things that happened versus just making a documentary. Because so many people, if they saw, oh, this movie's a documentary, I'm not watching it, that's boring, I don't like documentaries. So I think the decision to make it more of a thriller was a good decision uh, because I think now Mm -hmm. more people will be willing to watch it. Yeah. I would just say that it's really like, personally, it's really cool to see you, to see you personally, see you get really excited about a movie. (laughs) I love movies. I I watch a lot of movies. And so Uh I'm like, here's every detail of the last movie I just watched. (laughs) But I feel like it's very fun to, it's very, like, it's it's very refreshing to see you get really excited about something. And then I've, like, like, listened to, like, the different interviews and stuff and, like, the backstory, and it's just, like, I think part of it's because, like, now I'm, like, wait, like, I want to help someone. <laughs> yeah. Like, I want to, I want to help them. <laughs> 
the absolute crazy part about this film is the media's reaction to it. What is truly the best way to show your tolerance is to completely try and discredit the movie and say that it's something about the QAnon, which no one has ever heard before before this day. Exactly. I did have to. I did have to look it up. Mm-hmm. It, it's a conspiracy theory party. Should we should have added it to last week's episode? Oh yeah, <laughs> you were like what episode? <laughs> should should have just added it. But it's literally so. Basically, they're saying it's a conspiracy theory, like human trafficking, child pornography. Like these are conspiracy theories. Like, and then there's some of them that are like, well. Jim Caviezel is part of the QAnon, but I don't know. I don't know if that's true. All I know is Tim Ballard goes, the actual Tim Ballard goes, I have no clue what QAnon is, so Mm -hmm. I don't know why they're (laughs) associating this movie with it. I have no clue. I, I think there's so there's the White House basement. They said weekly mm-hmm. meetings. Yeah. How do we discredit this? How do we make it so they don't? How do we like cover our tracks about like mm-hmm. the Epstein thing? Exactly. And like, well, and the Clintons are like, well, we already killed Epstein. Mm-hmm. And I thought we were done with that. But they're like, no, 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 this movie's coming out. And they're like, oh, we could. And then they like go, they like spin a wheel of excuses mm-hmm. and it lands oh. on. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's a superhero movie for dads with brain worms. Whatever the heck that means. Rolling Stone has notified me that I'm out of free articles. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. Especially after this article. Yeah, I don't, it's absolutely insane. And I've been seeing people on TikTok just trying to discredit it, too. And then people Uh responding to them being like, so you're a pedophile. Exactly. Anti-Semitic. So, um, apparently Rolling Stone doesn't know what a brain worm is. Anti-Semitic? Oh, that's a new one. How is it anti-Semitic? It, because a brain worm is a microscopic parasite roundworm that infests the brain of large hoofed animals such as deer. Hmm. So so you just there's but there's a bunch of bucks sitting around the campfire. They have a projector. And they're watching an outdoor movie. They're watching the sound of freedom. They're they're the ones the superhero movie for dads. But I don't know how it's anti-Semitic. Is sound freedom QAnon adjacent? Y'all use my favorite words. <laughs> I saw that one and that was the first thing I thought of. The movie's offender says that its success proves that Hollywood all too often overlooks potential of films that appeal to religious conservatives that accomplished reflects a demand by an undeserved audience who are hungry for entertaining 
entertainment that reflects their values and beliefs. And I am one who has been critical about some of the like pure flicks films that I feel are like truly bad. Like they don't uh-huh. put an effort to be good. But this is a good movie. Like I feel like I've been I know I was like critical of it, but I was like critical of it in like very small microcritical ways. Mm-hmm. And because like I okay, okay. I think the biggest thing with the way you felt about the movie was you went in thinking I'm getting a documentary and then it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and then I kind of was like, dang, I kind of wanted to watch a documentary, but I was also, that was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Love the documentary. Okay. Let me start. Quick side note. Quick little fun side note. Allison's favorite documentary is on Netflix and it's called um, Casting JonBenet Ramsey. And basically, the entire premise is that they go to the hometown of John Benet Ramsey, mm-hmm. and they do. They go to the hometown here, and then they're casting all. They're telling all these local actors that they're casting them for a TV sh- for a movie that's made about like the conspiracy of her death. And mm-hmm. then in it, and so that in it, it's the entire casting process, and they're asking, they're like interviewing all the actors and like asking their opinions on it, but also like showing them like acting it out. And so it kind of like shows the way that they portray their character based on who they think killed her. Mm-hmm. And the ending shot is like one continuous shot, and it's so cool. And it's a very good documentary, and it's so weird because it's my favorite plane movie. So anytime I fly on a plane, I watch it. <laughs> And so, so there's people who probably think I'm absolutely insane. Rolling Stone also did an article called Why Anti-Trafficking Experts Are Torching Sound of Freedom. I saw that. Who's, who's an anti-trafficking expert? May, maybe Tim Ballard, who you know, went and rescued these kids that the movie is literally based off of. It's not paranoid or QAnon adjacent to bring much needed attention to horrors that are too real, Miller Karen wrote at National Review. If the film film fuels a moral panic about sex trafficking, the result will be, at worst, wasted energy and a disproportionate use of resources. But it could turn out that Americans are underestimating the problem. The movie performs a valuable service by reminding us, as long as children are being abused, the rest of us ought to care. The ex- exploitation of children is a real problem that no one besides the exploiters want. Rich, Chris Waswell wrote, I think it's a Jewish last name. Oops, Santa. Um, what's more, Sound of Freedom is well acted, it looks expensive, and it moves at a rapid clip. But it's difficult to untangle the film from its right wing associations, including endorsements from Elon Musk Ivan- and Ivanka Trump. What's Ivanka Trump? What's wrong with Ivanka Trump? I love Ivanka. She's my yeah. favorite Trump. I can't say I wasn't entertained in some way. That's how propaganda works. Like, I want them. Okay, this is what I want to explain to me. What is the propaganda for? What is the goal of the propaganda? That's so bad. What is the goal of the propaganda and why is that bad? Explain that to me. That's what I want to explain. Exactly. What, so you're saying them, sh- 
like showing this light on this actual issue. They're just blowing it out of the waters, making it a non-issue, a big issue. It's like this millions of children go missing a year. Especially at our southern border. Because we said we don't send the people on the other side, the Mexicans, send 85 million unaccompanied children. Actually, more than that. That's how many go missing. I did really enjoy the movie. It's a good movie. It's well acted. I think the ch- child actors did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. I truly do think they were better than the adults. And that's like no like shame to them. I just think that they did like for what they were given, especially since yeah. they don't know, especially they like didn't know kind of what they were reacting to, that they did a phenomenal job. They especially did. the little girl, she's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the movie was really, really good. Yeah, it's it is really good. And they all all the actors did a great job and like it was well produced. Even though it's like not necessarily what we might have thought going into it, but it was still really well done. Yeah. I'm also in an odd mood right now, so it made me a little cynical today. Yeah. Um, but I mean Jim Caviezel does nothing less than a good movie, so I never watched Passion of the Christ. I refuse to watch it. I also am quite aware. I truly don't. I truly believe that God did not want that movie to be made. <laughs> he was yeah. struck by lightning while hanging on the cross. Exactly. Have you ever seen the behind the scenes for that movie, by the way? No. I've never seen Passion of the Christ. I've seen all the behind scenes footage for him. It is him complaining the entire time. <laughs> I think he had, I don't know how, I think it took like, what, like a couple months to make that film. I truly think it was the worst couple months of his entire life. Well, being struck by lightning, he, it caused so many issues. Like he had to have surgeries and he was on medication for nine years straight. Well, even before that, even before that, that's like the conclusion to this documentary. About <laughs> you know, he's like, he goes, he's like, it's a really cold but then they gave me these heaters. But the heaters they gave me are making me sick. <laughs> so now I'm not cold, but I'm sick. Mm. Like I could feel myself about to be struck by lightning. And then I was struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. I was like, maybe, maybe God did not want this film to be made. Yeah. Um, that's one of the movies I refuse to watch. Mostly because in eighth grade I was refor- I was forced to watch 12 Years a Slave and that really um changed the trajectory of my life um when it comes to movies i don't think i i think i was too young to watch yeah isn't the escape plan which the first escape plan really great second one stupid and apparently the third one's terrible i don't know what's the escape plan they get so it's like this guy gets locked he works for the government and he gets locked in these super secure prisons because his goal is to escape and make sure or not safety security and so like he's supposed to try to get out of these prisons so he gets arrested for random reasons and booked into this most secure prisons and the goal is to escape 
Mm-hmm. Is this a good movie? Do I need to watch this? The first one is good. The second two, terrible. That was on the Count of Monte Cristo. I've been meaning uh-huh. to read. I've been told a million times I've been reading Angel Eyes sounds like a shady movie. Yeah. Oh, it has Jennifer Lopez in it? Okay, I've never watched that movie. <laughs> We're going down another rabbit hole. We are. You need to stop making Christ-related movies. You're going to get struck by lightning again, dude. <laughs> oh, he used to do westerns. I love westerns. Have you ever watched mm-hmm. a western movie? Like an old western movie? Yeah. They are so racist, it's funny. Mm-hmm. I watched the one with Natalie Wood in it, and it was it was like four hours, and she's been kidnapped by Native Americans, and they spent like years looking for her, and they like finally find her, and like all she speaks is this made up Native American language. It's so bad, and they literally uh-huh. sorry Indigenous people, and they like they like go and they like find her, and they're like oh they kidnapped a white woman, and he literally turns and she goes she's no longer white. It was so good. I love Westerners. He was in the Northman. Oh, a different one. I watched Northman. That movie gave me um, like stress problems. Like I, I have trust issues with people because of the Northman. So this isn't. This is like full human trafficking statistics. Um, not necessarily specifically child statistics, but everything we're gonna have. Um. A lot of this information, most actually, all of this information, thanks. But this comes from the Human Trafficking Institute, um, and on their website, in, in like their mission statement area, they said around the world there's an estimated 24.9 million people who are victims of sex and labor trafficking. Although human trafficking is legal in every country, traffickers operate with impurity in places. And then they also have, like, a federal report of all the reported, like, actual cases. And Mm -hmm. so, considering how many people, like, just to, like, keep in mind, like, how big of an issue it is, keep in mind this 24.9 million and how little of these get actually Uh convictions. So, in 2022, there were five cases, five forced cases of forced labor and 178 sex trafficking cases. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, it's like such a little about in comparison of sad. Mm-hmm. There are 183 new criminal cases of human trafficking filed in the federal court system. Um, and so the, the number of court cases has been decreasing by like um, like by a certain percentage every single year, which like, but we all, we all, but we do know that the number of actual victims of sexual trafficking is going up. Mm-hmm. So the government is becoming more and more willing to kind of turn a blind eye to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it says the most commonly identified methods of referral of sex trafficking cases. In, okay, sorry, that's wrong. Um, 
So in cases filed in 2022, um, victims of sex trafficking spent an average of 341 days in exploitation of the trafficker, and the average for number of days on victims of forced labor spent in exploitation was 693. Um, in the new cases, it said that we had um, about 39% of the victims were adults, 34% were minors, and 28% were ages unknown. So within that 28%, they just don't know the age of these people. 96% of the victims were, sex tra- were of sex trafficking and 4% were of forced labors. And so there are 363 new victims in new cases filed in 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, um, in 2022, there was also an entire hotel that was charged with human trafficking. Like they were using the hotel to traffic. So this is just in the United States. Which, even at the ending credits, it said the United States is the most. Mm-hmm. Um, we're the highest demand for. Yeah. Which is so sad. It shows how demonic demonic our uh, yeah. country has gotten. Mm-hmm. So the rest of it, it just shows that um, and then, like, the last thing about this is between 2019 and 2022, the top three most frequently identified payment platforms used to purchase commercial sex were Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. Which makes sense. Mm-hmm. Really pretty easy to not track some of them there, so. Yeah. Anyways, that is the information that I found. It's hard. To kind of be like, what are well, with really, especially right now with the media, like it's so hard to cover everything up to find yeah. these actual numbers. Um, even on like I even searched their website and stuff, and like mm. you know, I couldn't find like good actual numbers. That's a recommendation. If you are, that's a recommendation in your resources. Like, don't bury it. Like, please have like a full thing with all of the numbers. Well, even. In one of the interviews, Tim Ballard was like, it's hard. You Google, when I was working in the field, you Googled child sex trafficking and like nothing came up because it's all hidden. Like they don't want you to know it's an actual issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like we have more information available to us now, but it's still not. Like, if I took, like, a month and, like, really went deep and, like, requested documents and stuff like that, I could find things. But you can't just find it. You, it's very difficult to find something from Google search. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And part of that's because, well, Google probably is got some people paying them money to hide information. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. So we're going to talk a little bit about Tim Ballard and his operation. So the actual Tim Ballard, who's the movie. 
who's Mormon, by the way, if you didn't know. Which yes. is why like, they actually it. so several of the people who uh during the actual operation, like several of them were religious and Mormon and stuff that didn't drink. But when they staged this party, they had to make it as real as possible. So the day before, they dumped out a bunch of beer. And the Columbia uh, government was so confused for, like, the CIA. It's not CIA. I don't remember what their version is. But they literally were so confused why they were dumping out beer. And they filled the bottles with apple juice. <laughs> Because they couldn't drink. Bro. They had to make it as real as possible so that the traffickers didn't suspect anything. Bro, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I don't know what God Mormons praise, but I'm pretty sure he's not going to. If you're saving kids, I'm pretty sure he'd let you. Well, some of them more like we don't actually know how we would react to it, too. Because, like, they never had had any. So, yeah. like, that would cause issues, too. I, like, I thought the story was going, was that they were going to, like, get them, like, get them used to what beer tastes like and just get a whole bunch of these Mormons, like, hammered the night before. No, they, they had to set it up. That's true. They, I, Mormons are crazy, y'all. <laughs> Mormons are crazy. The fact that they're like, I am going to hell if I drink a Diet Coke is insane to me. I don't, I, I have thoughts on Mormons. We should do an entire episode where Allison just like does talks about how much she doesn't like Mormons and then like watches the Book of Mormon. Okay, I'm okay. done. So Tim Ballard, Ballard worked for the U.S. government, but then stepped back as he felt he needed to help all the kids he could, he could. He felt held back because the U.S. government has its limits. Like, obviously, they can only do so much, especially because a lot of these kids were foreign. Like, we don't really have the ability to step in and save these kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. Tim Ballard was specifically a special agent for Homeland Security. And he was assigned to the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. Which, the fact that that is a unit we have to have is so sad. Uh, as he worked with the government, or, yeah, in his role, he had seen every type of case in the fight to dismantle child trafficking rings. He worked in the United States and in multiple foreign countries to inf infiltrate child trafficking organization. Wow. Oh, I, I added some extra syllables to organi <laughs> organizations. Uh, in 2013, he stepped away because he saw that more needed to be done in the fight against child trafficking and exploitation across the world. Him and a team of former government oper no, operatives left their jobs, which they had 
great job security, but they found like this calling and they were like, this is more important than my job. Like I, I got to go save these children, which is like incredible and brave. And together they formed Operation Underground Railroad. I don't know why I said it like that, but anyways. Uh, so according to their website, it says, the stupid slide switched on me. Uh, we exist to rescue children from sex trafficking and sexual exploitation. We lead the fight against child sex trafficking and sexual exploitation around the globe. We will not give up and will continue to go to the darkest places until light is restored and every child is protected. Do you write your notes in a PowerPoint presentation? No. Okay, just wondering. Why? You said slide. Oh, because the um website has okay, a carousel okay. slideshow at the top, and it switched on me, and I was like, "Well, that was rude." I just had a really weird. I was like, "Did she write her notes like a, a slideshow presentation?" That's quite oh. odd. So they have over 4,000 people involved in their operations. They've impacted 7,000 plus lives and they are involved in 6,500 or more arrests, which they've almost arrested more people. It's a centipede he's been playing with. I don't like centipedes. Um. Uh, You're watching a cat torture a centipede right now? Yeah. I don't like centipedes. It's fine. It's also keeping him off of my stuff. And so overall, they just like do both international operations and then they have relationships with like domestic law enforcement in order to help people here in the United States because, well, there's the issue here too. We might not have as many kids being trafficked out of our front yards or taken out of the front yards, but we're the number one consumer of these children who are stolen from their families. But yeah, so that is Operation Underground. This movie should make you, it should make you feel like. I want to do something. I want to be a part of the movement for change. So here's some things that you can do. Our little call to action. Um, you can donate to Operation Underground Railroad, which is Tim Calvary. That's not it. Tim Ballard. <laughs> there you go. Who am I talking about? <laughs> I have no clue. Okay. Who is which is Tim Ballard's organization? You can also donate to the Human Trafficking Institute. Um, Tim Ballard's mostly focus on, on children. Human trafficking is a little bit more on, on on human trafficking and forced labor, which is something I'm learning about. I did not know that was a thing. Forced labor literally just sounds like slavery, so I would love to do an entire episode on that. I point. mean, there, yeah, there's more people in slavery now than there was when uh, slavery was legal. Thank you. I mean, there's probably more people 
in the world now than when slavery was legal. But you know, I'd like to say that Calissa states this um, fact to me about once a month, and I don't know what the reasoning behind. I never once stated this fact until you have Calissa. I've heard this so many different times. (laughs) I don't know, like. Okay. <laughs> I'm not lying. I've heard I've heard this fact from you before. <laughs> I don't remember ever saying this prior to watching the movie, but okay. How many how many friends have you how many, how many months have we been friends? What like six months? Yeah. I've heard this six different times from you. Okay. Good. <laughs> um we'll have links to where you can donate to them and their websites. Below, um, you can also um s- to spread awareness, like do not be quiet about this movie. Like we've both been posting it on our Instagram. Mm-hmm. And also do not be quiet about the media's reaction to it. We should be calling out the media and making them look like clowns for the reaction to it because they truly are being clowns and they are showing that they have an agenda when being against it. They're also showing their weakness because they're like, well, we gotta we're not strong enough to stand up for this. So we, we have to make it seem like it's, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're wrong for this because the media can't stand up for something that is and, true. <laughs> and finally, if you haven't yet, go see the movie. Like literally, what are you waiting for? Like finish this podcast first and then go see Obviously. the movie. And if you know what, if you've already seen it and you're like, you know what, my next door neighbor, Sally, hasn't seen the movie go grab her grab some popcorn some milk duds and a coca-cola and go see the movie and you can do the milk duds and the coca-cola because milk duds are owned by coca-cola okay that's a little movie fact for you there um or if you don't want to see the movie again go watch somebody's kids so they can go see the movie exactly I mean, I'll see it again, but I also am babysitting. Weird call to action, but okay. Um, well, I mean, a... <laughs> there's people who can't see it because they have no one to watch their kids. So if you know a family. Drop your kids off at whatever kids movie is playing currently and go see the movie. Drop your, uh, drop your three-year-old off. It's fine. When I, when I worked at Regal, people did it all the time. <laughs> I mean, I they did that at the pools, would, too. I get parents that would chew me out. And that would be like, why can I not take my six-month-old to see Scream 6 with me? <laughs> I was like, be, and you're like, because no one under five is admitted into that movie. <laughs> and why do you want to take your six? They're like, they're not even going to remember it. I'm like, I'm, the entire theater is going to remember when your baby starts screaming in the middle of the movie. Exactly. Um, and to support this movie, there's a link in our Instagram bio where you can donate so people can get free tickets for the movie and then Callista can babysit their kids so they can use those free tickets. <laughs> um, we also have links Sorry. In the, we also have links in the description below and a post on our Instagram with links to supporting this movie where you can get um, tickets for the movie um, and then all of our donation links as well. And if you say you don't know where to 
get it we just told you where to get it so yeah, there's so no excuses after all of this then maybe it's your fault maybe it's your problem <laughs> no do you know what don't be like cnn go see the movie exactly so um i've discovered uh my new favorite video on the planet recently and that is a video of just stop oil so these just stop oil protesters i do not care and i refuse to care what the just stop oil protesters stand for and i know it's for oil but i don't care beyond that these just stop oil producers are taking this orange paint and they're spraying it all over this like building mm -hmm. this business this a huge skyscraper a huge skyscraper um and you know and then they all go and they go sit down and they're doing the little protesting thing and then this man in a nice suit mm -hmm. with the power washer comes out respectfully just comes on out like, like literally no care in the world probably listening to a podcast probably listening to some britney spears mm -hmm. just starts calmly power washing the windows my the question windows. is why did they have this power washer no literally where does the power washer come from they just have it in the closet in case in case of times like these it is not a random person off the street the man looks like he's the ceo of that company exactly and he comes and he just starts power washing <laughs> and my favorite part about it and he's like calmly completely ignoring them like they're like glaring they're chanting mm -hmm. he's spraying down and then my favorite part of it is one of the one of the little protesters decides that he's going to be a little he's gonna be a little naughty dude and he takes his hand and he puts it in the paint that's already on there and he starts wiping it all over the window that the guy just power washed the guy simply finishes power washing the window he's on takes two steps back resprays down the one that the guy messed up again and then just continues on with his way it is i've watched this video no less than 15 times in the past week so so my second question besides the where did this power washer come from is this oil-based paint? Because that would be really funny. Calissa, I don't, this is my favorite video on the planet. It's so good. It's, it, it is, it is so good, but I'm like, it, they're protesting, but is it oil-based paint? I love this video. For one, I don't know what. Hi, this is Editing Allison. I just wanted to pop in here real quick and say that the joke that Callista made went completely over my head and I now understand it. I'm going to credit her with it because oil-based paint, just stop oil, that is very funny. All right, back to the rest of the episode. Paint spray they're using, but it sprays quite nicely. <laughs> It's big. I'm rewatching the video right now. It is a massive, uh -huh. massive um, <laughs> water pressure gun. Yeah, long. My and he does it so well. Like he mm -hmm. literally is so organized about it. He gets to those windows fast. Yeah. 
my favorite videos are the ones where it's like climate protesters protesting cars and they sit in the middle of the road and they either glue themselves or they don't glue themselves and people will just park calmly park their car hook them under their arms and just drag them to the side of the road and continue driving that's what i would do i have lost my tolerance for other people uh, I'm done. Like, I've lost my tolerance for other people. This year on campus, I'm a menace. If you're not out of the way of my bike, I'm driving through you. <laughs> Especially if you're on one of your little electric longboards, you're dead. I don't care. Yeah. In fact, I will put, I, I will find a way to put my bike in reverse. I will back on up and then continue forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I love also the ones where they glue their hands to the ground and then the police officers come through and they just rip their hands off the ground yeah. and they start screaming. It is so funny. And then the the when the the one where they were protesting um, milk and they just poured the milk out in the grocery store. I'm like, how's that effective? Because you just took milk that could have been used for like normal people. And um, you just poured it on the ground. So now, basically, you've taken it from being used and you've wasted it. <laughs> yeah, they've created food waste and they've stolen. Exactly. And I hope, I would hope, as a police officer, Allison, police officer Allison comes to the scene. Mm-hmm. I have the little hat on my taser. Okay. I start off by tasing them, just straight off the bat, just for fun. <laughs> So you start. Wait, wait, wait. First, you you go to shake their hand, I and you have it. one. No, you have one of the like random the little kids party tasers that don't do anything. But that's how you start, and as a little warning, but it's like a tiny warning. And then you just straight up go into it. I'll be like, go in, and I'll like, it'll, they'll be like, and they'll be like, what was that? I'll be like, oh, I got you. You thought you were a tase. He was like, yeah, I thought it was tase. That was so funny. I was like, imagine if I like actually tased you like this, and then I tased them. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, hey, get up. And I like kicked at them a little bit, and then I made them get up. And then I would make them go get a mop, and then I would have them mop off their milk. And then you would take all the empty cartons. You'll have the person at the uh register ring them all up and then you'll have them pay and and if it's a fred meyer and it's fridays i'm using my number so i can get times for gas points yeah you're gonna just type your I number in. Reward. i need those fuel <laughs> rewards exactly <laughs> exactly mm-hmm. and it'd be like you know what you you can buy me a starbucks too i'll take a grande um um white chocolate macadamia nut cold foam cold bro thank you light ice but these climate protesters i'm like or what? these just stop oil protesters like i'm like what is their goal because really they're just causing more issues my favorite uh just last week some socialist environmental person i can't remember what country but their first ever socialist leader uh who's like all about the environment flies her private jet to the location about two miles away then she hops on a bike and she bikes into the conference but she has her security all around her driving cars yet the people can't 
people can't fly and the people can't drive because of the environment. But she's riding a bike, saving the planet, riding a bike two miles. This is why I love climate protesters. <laughs> I love climate protesters so much. They are the most useless protesters on the planet. They, they do are. nothing. All they do is inconvenience other people. And then or everyone... inconvenience themselves because then they get super glue themselves to the ground and then they have to wait for somebody to come save them. And every single person on the planet hates them, rightfully so. My That's... goal in life is to become best friends with the climate protester. It was so funny because, like, they don't... Well, other than, like, you know, wasting milk occasionally and spray painting... Not even... It's like water... It's just with the power washer, it comes right off. But yeah, like, they that don't... Is a hype. I don't know what power washer that person got it from, but that is not a power washer I could go into a store and buy. That is like <laughs> a high power, government grade, like, that's like an Oppenheimer power washer. Yeah, I, just, I still don't know. Like, they're just in the maintenance closet. They have a power washer for some reason. They just occasionally they are like, uh, the lobby floor is a little dirty, and I don't feel like mopping it today, so let me just power wash it. They keep that power washer locked in the White House basement. There we go, yes. That pressure washer is a... is the hero of this entire story. That's the moral of this segment. Exactly. Are we ready to conclude this episode? We are, in fact, ready. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of I Don't Want to Talk About Politics. Make sure that you check us out on Instagram at idwtap underscore podcasts. Also make sure you check out our personal Instagrams at ally.joy173 and Melissa J1776. As always in the description below, you can check out our references, send us a voice uh, message slash email. I don't know why I put Gmail. <laughs> Um, as well as support the podcast. Um, we'll also have all those links below for, that we were talking about earlier. For those listening on Spotify, make sure that you vote in this week's poll, which is, this is a stupid question. Oh, which is, um, we're contemplating starting this up in um, September. But our question is, do you think that we should do visual episodes? That's a weird way of putting that. Do you think that we should start filming the podcast? <laughs> I'm struggling. Phyllis <laughs> is dying. I don't know why, but that just didn't sound right. It'll be like your PowerPoint. It's just that's just the episode is us putting the entire we transcribe into a PowerPoint. Uh huh. Calista, what are we talking about next week? Next week, we'll be talking about probably the most controversial and polarizing topic in the current political cycle, transgender kids. 13 episodes ago, we kicked off this podcast by talking about biological men taking over women's sports. We're back on the topic of transgenders, except this time we're doing a deep dive on how gender affirming care is harming our society for the worst. This is the first time that we've made it through without any mistakes on my part. Or my part, because occasionally I just can't say words. But we've, every single time, it feels like I've accidentally sabotaged Calista. All right. You did Thank at you the beginning so of the episode. 
-hmm. You wrote the name wrong. <laughs> no, you wrote the the wrong person. But yeah. Miguel Santan. <laughs> I watched that movie. <laughs> like half of it is Tim being in like therapy with his father, and the other half is Miguel like freeing the children of the world. Exactly. All right. Uh, make sure that you check out the Instagram for more content. We are currently working on an exciting new project that we'll be announcing in August. So keep a lookout for that. Um, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. We'll see you next week.